2: Hello and welcome to episode 43 of Brighton Rock Podcast. Yes, these are the delightful notes that we would normally be hearing firsthand down in dear old Brighton as the mighty seagulls strut out onto the hallowed turf of the Amex. No doubt we will still hear those famous Sussex strains of the old wartime marching song, but only from the comfort of our own living room sofas when Albion hosts Arsenal in the first of nine crucial clashes before the season's final end. Yes, this is it, project restart is afoot and the Prem's games in hand have already been played for Villa, the Blades, Manchester Shaky, and the Gunners, and all went off without any hitches whatsoever. Yeah, imagine if something horrendous like, say, the first ever goal line technology failure should have occurred in a match featuring relegation candidates. At least our best mate VAR would help if ever that unrealistic situation should occur. Hey, guys. Anyway, Peter, Robin and I are all back. Hi, Pete. Hey. Hi, Robin. Hey, Russ. And we are recording this special preview episode to build up to the big kickoff in the company of three special guests as well. Matthew Mattioli. Jason Saunders and Addy Adigun. Ladies and gentlewomen, I give you the Gooners. How are you, boys?
1: Good, thank you. How are you? Not too bad, okay. thank you.
2: Lovely, Chubby. OK, sorry, I've got to throw in some London references, haven't I? Anyway, <laughs> we'll start by acquaint- acquainting all the listeners with you guys. Addy, first of all, I've known you from when I first came to London way back in 1899. Uh, well, it was 1999, but it feels like it's been forever <laughs> anyway. Um, I've, yeah, I mean, we, I came up and I was working my first job with you, wasn't I? And it's been downhill ever since for us, is not it?
1: That's right, it has, it has. It's uh, been a while, <laughs> it's amazing to think how long it has been, actually, uh, since we were first acquainted. Um, and uh, funnily enough, um, acquainted over our mutual love of film.
2: Yeah, big film fans, both of us, yeah. And um, we, yeah, we worked in a cinema, to put it bluntly, uh, which was the perfect place for us doing that job. Um, and all good fun. And you are, as I quickly found out, also an Arsenal fan, as we've just mentioned. You but, did have a season ticket, didn't you, beforehand, but not at the moment, is that right?
1: I did, yeah, not at the moment. So um, uh, we actually, at, uh, where my parents live, um, had a lodger called uh, Takeyuki Nishigaya, and he played for Grand Passate. Um, he uh, was actually invited over by Arsene Wenger um, to really just earn his Spurs as a coach. His knees went early as a player. Did
2: and... you just say Spurs? Oh dear, uh,
1: <laughs>
3: that's not a good yeah. start. Oh, <laughs> Where word that is?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, carry on. <laughs> Unintended. Yeah, I, I, I suppose I should uh, uh, pinch my nose and turn around three uh, anti-clockwise three times to take curse off. But um, um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, invited over really to um train uh with the well really to kind of understudy Arsene and just uh, learn from. Um, from the greats, really. His knees went and ended his career early. Um, and coincidentally, then ended up staying um, in a, a granny plat, flat my parents have at the back of their house. And long story short, we became friends. And um, yeah, so I used to, uh, I went to quite a few matches with him, in fact, um, and uh, so, sat on the, um, uh, you know, some, sometimes on the uh, North Bank, but normally the East Standard Highbury. Uh, so yeah, then became a bit more of an active um, uh, gooner, really. Uh, and um, yeah, just, uh, you know, I was born um, in Highgate and grew up just off Upper Street, so Arsenal's my local team. And uh, according to family legend, the first time I saw Arsenal was when they won the cup in 72, and my mum held me up. Uh, it's uh, hairdressers now, but number three, Theverton Street, and you can clearly see Upper Street. And as Arsenal went by on the bus, I started gurgling and dribbling or something not. <laughs> <other. laughs> my mum was like, okay, that's good. He can support Arsenal like his big brother. So um so yeah, it's been a been a journey and uh, I do miss the matches at the um uh you know at the Emirates and uh the match yesterday actually was the first um uh match at the Etihad, away match against City that um I haven't seen in about four years because uh, um, I watched them. Uh, uh, I, I got to to City um, uh, pretty much every well every single season. I see the away matches, so um, it's glad I missed last night's shocker. Anyway,
2: <laughs> We should explain um, five of us on here out of six. It's the most we've had on at one time. Um, previously, four was the limit, so this is a um, br- breaking new ground for us. And five of the six people on the screen here tonight are all based in north london Four of I'm them not, not are, i'm not
4: based in north anymore oh, oh so. sorry yes you're in <laughs> south now oh, yes, i know yeah i should
2: really mention that were from north london or have lived in yeah. north london um the other one is in the northeast of england um but um peter you're from north East Finchley. England. East, East Finchley england. yeah originally so so you will probably know the other two guys here tonight from uh, the guna representation um in terms of Areas and stomping grounds. If if not acquainted directly, um, Matthew and Jason. Well, Matthew, I met you first, and I met Jason through you, didn't I? Um, yeah. We we met through work, didn't we? I was giving you driving lessons.
5: You were indeed. <laughs> yeah. And you're still talking and, um, to him.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <I> mean, <laughs> well, it worked all right because we we shared um, a mutual love for moaning about football,
5: didn't we? And uh, friendship was born. Yeah, I I'm just thinking around the time I was doing driving lessons there was loads of like FIFA scandals and things like that and we kind of bonded over our hatred of like set blatter. So um yeah it was quite a nice quite a nice thing.
2: <laughs> yeah, and um we known each other it's going back quite a few years, this was now already. And um through your links with Fi it was Catholic High School you went to, didn't it? Yes. And am I right in saying Jason, you also went there? No. Nope.
5: No, no, no. I was. At, okay. um, I
2: met. So I met Matthew through Joe Robinson. Ah, oh, right. Yeah, okay. Who, through Arsenal as well. Who is another Arsenal? Um, yeah. Schoolboy yeah. from there. Yeah. Yeah. So, so your links have just sort of just come through Arsenal, and um, you guys, along with a load of others, decided to set up a football team at one point for Sunday football, and then, in your wisdom (inverted commas), uh, decided to ask me to be manager, which I mm-hmm. still am. About four or five years later. And um, we've gone from, well, weakness to weakness, haven't we? <laughs> no, it's been going all right, along. long. Um, what do you think about that, guys? I mean, you, Matthew, you don't play anymore, but was that a bit of a labour of love doing that? Labour,
5: certainly. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I loved it. I loved it. It was great. Um, you know, it was just playing football on a weekend with your mates and... Um, that was, you know, running it and, and all that. You
2: know, who, who doesn't want their own football club? Yeah, absolutely. And the man who is sitting, well, beside you or down below you, according to the, uh, the arrangements here on our Zoom chat, um, Jason, is a bit of a player. He's an all rounder. He leaps like a salmon. He's got an engine that <laughs> like you wouldn't believe. Mind you, Matthew, you have as well a an engine. Huh. And um, Jason's just an all rounder, isn't he? He's your classic um, everywhere man. Yeah, Jason's um, yeah. a good player. As exactly. sisters, I just love.
3: I just love football. Literally from from the age of I would say ten, just playing wherever I wanted to play. Literally, I started off as a defender, and um, just literally just for well, I play there right back that someone was injured, just getting minutes, and it just worked in my favour. Yeah. And then that's how I just grew up knowledge of football as well. Yeah,
2: absolutely. So. And you've been. Have been with the team? For- long time now and it's always start, about, so we
5: always miss yeah, you
2: when you're not about there five years, so. i think about five years now
3: yeah you, you weren't with the us in our first now, season
5: jason but it was a, it was a coup when we got you in for our second season definitely work
2: in progress <laughs>
5: yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's all good yeah and um yeah we're still ticking along nicely except of course at the moment because of lockdown but uh anyway um speaking of lockdown how's lockdown been for you guys what have you been up to or not up to
5: <laughs> work <laughs> that's about
2: it I mean, have, you, uh, have, you been, have you all been working from home or have anybody yeah, yeah. i am yeah, working from home
3: basically I'm working from home uh, about four days a week because I'm a building management service so work from home Monday to Thursday and then Friday i probably in for a couple of hours just to do PPEs and maintenance checks on the building so yeah. it's pretty much keep me busy uh, the last yeah. few weeks
1: and Addy? yeah i'm really busy uh with work with school um obviously uh with the lockdown it's been a bit odd um but yeah it's just uh trying to create homework um remotely setting it up on a, a school facility the student facility called show my homework um you know setting the deadlines marking it giving the feedback um uh i'm doing a bit of the kids so setting some work on uh platform called Lexia. So you know, there's enough to do and obviously we're doing um I've got the school mobile as well, one of the school mobile. So I'm one of the half a dozen um uh sort of pit bulls really that are chasing up the kids because sadly a lot of them are losing motivation. Um mm. and uh aren't turning up to the remote lessons now. A lot of them are logging on and sort of vanishing. <laughs> um, so you know we cottoned onto that. They're very resourceful. Um, And let's face it, on the one hand, you can understand the world has stopped and it's probably the last, we hope, um, but certainly the best opportunity to jump off a world that stopped turning. So you can kind of understand it, but, you know, a lot of the kids are very vulnerable and, um, uh, you know, and they're not in the best situation, a lot of them, in terms of their circumstances. Um, So, you know, this has put them at a massive disadvantage. So... Uh yeah, working at, at school albeit remotely every day. Um you know, and uh you know what it's like guys. Uh, you've got the chores and the errands to do as well. So uh, you know it's um yeah, it's pretty full on.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well it's certainly been weird times, isn't it, with lockdown and um I mean just it's unprecedented, it's bizarre. Uh, obviously it's created this weird thing sort of stirring things back to football, as this weird scenario with the season. We've got what has been nine games to go. A couple of people had games in hand last night, which we'll get onto in a moment, I think. Um, but uh, in general, you know, for everyone else, nine games. And uh, what was your take, for, again, for the Gooners first? Um, I don't know who wants to go first on this, but what, what were your views on Arsenal season so far? Um, were you welcoming the break? And are you happy to see football return? I don't know, Do you want to, Matthew, do you want to go first?
5: Yeah, <laughs> well obviously it, it wasn't the kind of season we'd want to have um, up until the point of lockdown but you know I, I kind of think we started to look better under Arteta when he came along and we were on a little bit of a roll before lockdown came into effect but um, I guess last night put an end to that roll so... <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a bit, bit un, unfortunate, wasn't it, um, <laughs> to say the least, um, Jason? I mean, do you generally feel the same about season yeah. up until now? Arteta's yeah. at least sparked a spark of hope, isn't it? Yeah, I
4: think
3: I think with the season so far, I think lockdown for us came at the wrong time. Yeah, and we was I think we had we won three in a row before lockdown. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, going going to Etihad is a tough ask anyway, so the result like, probably will still been the same, but. I think taking anything out of yesterday, I think he gave a lot of the kids a chance as well. So I think he's just using the, the last nine games as a pre-season. It's just obviously see who he can rely on, who he can trust going into next season. And obviously the funds are going to be a bit short. So yeah, yeah. I think it's tough times for him. But I think, I I think that's a positive
5: for us, I think. You look at yeah. the youth um, yeah. and the, the talent in the, the younger members of our squad. They've got those coming through our youth system. It's fantastic. So, you know, if we can harness that, then you know, there's no reason why we can't do a lot better next
2: year. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think there were some rumours. I don't know, Robin or Peter, if you can sort of cast any light on this. But I think there were some rumours that Arteta was very close to the job for Albion um, further back in time beforehand. There were rumours, weren't there?
6: Do you, did you know if there was any him. truth in that? They wanted him, um, but bluntly he didn't want to go. Hmm. Yeah, This was at I the mean, time. It he was bit, only, we're talking... Oh, when was it? Yeah, it was. I think when Houghton went, right when Houghton had first gone, um, he was the name that was in the frame. But at that point, um, he was reluctant to go. Um, I think partly because his style of management, I think, is probably not suited to a team in our mm. situation. I mean, we don't have the luxury of time. Really, to have a new manager come in, I suppose we did it with Potter, but I mean, I don't think we would have had the luxury of someone to come in as their first proper managerial job into a team who's just sat their manager after just staying up again. Um, and also, to be blunt, he's too good for us, to be honest. I think mm-hmm. probably a fair at the same time point. as
3: well, he's, he's, um, he's a new fish as well. So he's yeah. his first managerial job. <laughs> So coming into a club at Arsenal as well, there's a lot of question marks over him. But yeah. what he's doing at the moment is positive, I think.
0: Okay, not Obviously yeah. the
3: results, It's taken the results, he's had quite a few draws and not many wins. But I think the atmosphere and the attitude around it that he's created at the moment is, is a step in the right direction.
6: I mean, yeah, as, yeah. I mean, as an outsider, you can see what he's trying to do. And I think he needs, it's the same, he needs a couple of transfer windows because, yeah. again, as an outsider... Um, the defence is still a shambles to be quite Mm, about it. Um, Watching
4: last night, you can't, I think anyone would argue about that. And I suppose, I mean,
6: to me, Arsenal's central midfield has been the issue for the last, I don't even know how many seasons, to be honest. There's that not that, I mean, obviously, we hark back to kind of the Patrick Vieira type figure, but there's not really someone who's consistently there to take hold of a game and run it. Yeah, I
3: haven't seen like a probably
6: from
2: the outside.
3: Yeah, I haven't seen a good pairing in, in Tenshomol for hours or since Vieira and Roberto Silva mm, I think. Mm.
2: It seems to me from the outside looking in and I think this might even go back to when I, said when I was giving lessons to Matthew we are driving around chatting football that I think at the time it was a Goldie or something that uh, just seemed to take years and years to get resolved when it could have easily been certainly resolved to a large degree if not the perfect fit. Um and they just they seem to be very slow in making any of the
6: significant moves they need to. They always seem to be a little bit of a step behind yeah. where they always, should be. Always trying to sign expensive wingers, but never yeah. Yeah.
4: <laughs> and the other yeah. issue from you guys' point of view is the contracts as well. I mean Bamiang's having it again now. Yeah. He lost Ramsey, um thingy what? Uh, Sanchez got sold quite cheaply, did wasn't he quite low on contract as well? There's a it's yeah. quite odd that you leave it quite so late for a contract. Yeah, you
3: would have thought they'd learn from their mistakes. Yeah.
4: yeah.
5: When was, there was talk after, I think it was after Ramsey, or I can't remember who, but but they were saying, you know, we're going to start contract conversations when players have got two years left and yeah. we want it done before the end of that season. Otherwise, they go in the, yeah. in the transfer window. And I think that's where we are with Bamiyang at the moment. So, um,
6: I think he signs a new contract or he's gone. Yeah. yeah, I think it's got to be, really. Which I mean, you
3: think, think it'll be, Vignette, yeah. Vignette. I don't think he'll sign, to be mm. honest. But uh... I, mean, I think I will probably try and keep him beyond... Well, he's season. second only
2: to Vardy in the scoring, isn't he, at the moment? He's such yeah. a valuable asset. I've always loved him yeah. from the, well, the Dortmund days, anyway. And, I've seen
4: and if, it's, to be honest, this window's not going to be that big, spending is it worth? Will, it, will, it, will you get the value yeah. for him, or is he going no. to try and keep him in the hope of qualifying for Champions League next year?
3: I think it's yeah. a gamble. The pretty good take, I reckon. Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, yeah. And and, Addy, any take on it in terms of season oh. so far, etc.
1: Well, well, you know, uh, we've had hundred odd days off, um, so you know, it was uh, would have been great to come out of the. <laughs> you know, out um, of oh, the style's sort of, um, you know, full pelt. But, uh, um, but yeah, you know, it's, um, you know, we're hovering sort of around the, really, the position in the league we normally see Tottenham, you know, when we're in our glory days. So, <laughs> so you know, um, it would have been nice to have back three points yesterday um, and I suppose there's always hope uh, went in at half-time at nil-nil. But, um you know it's uh, i th- i think it's all those familiar issues that you know we don't have um you know the, the midfield the central midfield the defence um the contracts so you know there's something there is that spectre of some structural kind of um difficulties that arsenal seem to have um operationally in terms of the team and also in terms of you know if you like the governance or the management uh the, the executive management so um I think, uh, yeah, all of that obviously feeds into how a player feels when they come to the the end of their contract. And you can't blame people for saying, well, you know, um, if they're selling their good players cheaply or if they're selling their good good players full stop, um, you know, and people, you know, uh, can see Arsenal's weaknesses and um, Arsenal, for some reason, aren't trying to strengthen those weaknesses. Um, all of that's going to feed into the mindset of a player. So, you know, when we do happen across someone as good as Aubameyang, I think it's going to be really hard to keep them. So, uh, yeah, but, um, but yeah, just, uh, yeah, it's it's disappointing to see Arsenal uh, languishing in ninth place. You know, yeah,
2: so. well, if, if you were to lose on Saturday, we'd only be eight points behind you, which is, I know it's still eight points, but that's not the amount of points difference you should be having from a side like us, with respect to ourselves. Um, yeah. So, yeah, not, it's not what you'd expect, anyway, put it that way. But uh, speaking of outside looking in, as we were saying about Arsenal earlier, what about you guys? What's your perspective of Brighton since we've been in the Prem? This is the, towards the end of the third season we've been mm-hmm. up. Um, what's your take, for example, on how we settled into the division? What you thought about the Hewton sacking? And what's your impressions of Graham Potter football from the bits you have seen so far? if at all.
5: I'll be honest, Brighton pissed me off because <laughs> yeah, you've, you good, every good. time every time I think, you know, I'm going to give you a little bit of stick about Arsenal beating Brighton or something like that, you'll come and you'll get a result against us and it really grates.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, I know you can um, picture my cheesy grim face, don't you?
5: <laughs> yeah, I, I, just, I just want to be, a, you're a team that I kind of feel we should be beating but we don't. You know, hmm. you, you you've got a lot of steel in your team, and I think that's probably what's um, yeah. What's kind of worked for
3: you? Very hard to break down.
5: Yeah,
3: because I've seen yeah. very extremely hard to break down. Especially um, was it you beat us in December? I think it was. Yeah, at the Emirates as well. one all, wasn't it? Yeah.
5: yeah. yeah. And then last <laughs> yeah. season, if you know, we beat you last season. Um, we qualified for the Champions League and. Yeah. Yeah. You, <laughs> You know, you took a point off us. <laughs> yeah.
6: Should have been yeah. three as well. Should have Should been, been
5: three.
4: Should have been yeah. three. Yeah, with an open goal at the end almost. Didn't yeah, we? We missed cross yeah. Anyway. And he put it out yeah. for a throw-on or something from I America. think, I
6: mean, Arsenal, you guys have been unlucky in that you've actually been on the end of only probably a handful of times where we've actually played a full game at mm-hmm. Premier League quality. Mm-hmm. So the game at the Emirates was obviously, that's the first time we've won away from home against one of the traditional top six. The game
1: the right. was
6: it 2 0 when Murray scored 2, one,
1: that
6: two 1. 2 1. Again, that was at that point was really the first time that we'd properly gone toe to toe with a big club. You've been unlucky in the fact that we just, like you say, we seem to save the decent performances for. For you and Man United, actually. Yeah, team. that's the
4: thing that's been talked about a lot, that Brighton have got a really tough, obviously got a really tough run in coming up. We've got you guys, United, City, Liverpool to play at home. But we're actually unbeaten at home against you and United in the four games we played with a crowd. So, we're obvi- so by losing the crowd, we're potentially losing, you know, obviously quite an advantage there. Mm. And people were saying, oh, well, you're never going to get any points from those. But actually, we've got 10 points from you guys and United the last two seasons
2: yeah. at oh, no, home between true. them. I wonder how much is the psychological thing about who you're playing. Knowing you've beaten them, you go into it with a, a particular confidence that so you wouldn't have, say, if you go up against a Spurs, or you never get a result against, sorry guys, uh, or, a man, or a, a man City. Well, we've not got a result yet, but well, we've, yeah, we've done played well, but not. You know, psychologically, it makes a difference, doesn't it? I think so. Maybe. I, mean, I
6: think the other thing is maybe. we were lucky with the, the December game was one of Lundberg's only games in charge, wasn't it? Yeah. We yeah. peaked. Yeah. The fixture list helped us out. We kind of got peak scheduling for that, um, that you guys were in a bit of disarray. But, I mean, even with that, with trying to be as non-biased as possible, I thought we were comfortably the better the, the, team. The win, the
3: win was coming in that game. Yeah. I remember, I remember, I remember going to that game. I mean,
6: I think. You
4: could see it was coming. Got a good start after half time, but other than that, I think it was pretty level. Yeah, there was yeah, we were... that
6: period just in the second half where you got the equaliser right at the beginning of the second half. David yeah. Luiz had that goal ruled out for offside, where bizarrely the liner didn't put this flag when he was five <laughs> yards
4: offside. <laughs> we should um, discuss it a few times on here. <laughs>
6: yeah, but I think there was that 10 or 15 minute period where I thought, mm, yeah, we could be in a bit of trouble. But other than that, yeah, say yeah, being yeah. as unbiased as possible, I thought we deserved the. I think the way <laughs> you
4: guys play suits us in a way as well, especially yeah, at does, home, I'm about to say because that, yeah, you attack. Does. Uh, whereas like, a lot of the teams that sit back against us, we, don't, we can't break down. Whereas obviously you guys aren't going to come to Brighton and sit back and defend. So,
2: Yeah, it would suit us, definitely. Um, one thing, by the way, um, I think this goes for last season, definitely goes for this season. I thought I was going to be meeting you guys for a drink after the game. And um, you didn't show up. Particularly <laughs> you, Matthew. I'm sure we were supposed to meet. <laughs> Do you know what?
5: I, I went to the pub was... just to see you and you weren't there. So I went home and <laughs> cried, I cried I on the have, bus. You must have rushed in and out pretty quickly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I did I run into a few of his other mates and we, we had a few beers actually. It was quite a good laugh. But disappointed uh, <laughs> you didn't make a show in there. Obviously, yeah, I've I so can be the same. <laughs> 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 oh dear, never mind, never mind. So, what do you think um, these nine games are going to present for you guys? Do you reckon. Uh, you're going to get into your stride and get that, that run going again that you said you had just before the lockdown. Um, and, how, and do you think we're going to survive as well? I think, I think personally, I think the league
3: as a whole, obviously not played for so many months now, I think it's going to be sort of feel like a pre season effect, I think, mm. the next few games. So it's going to take a while for everyone to get into their stride. Yeah. I think by that time, obviously, I think it's going to be a free throw. I think plus, obviously, there's mm-hmm. no fans in the ground. Like going to Anfield, it's not going to be as daunting as it normally would be. For example, so I think yeah. I think um, more away teams stand a chance. I was looking at the Bundesliga. And apparently, the stats show that the away away um, teams have been getting more results than the home team have this season. So that's that's obviously after lockdown.
2: Yeah, something like 43% going yeah. down to 21 or something, is not it, so far. Yeah, it's so, I think, so
3: I think form obviously goes out the window. Yeah. And I think I just think um, it's... Good for us.
4: ...on the day.
2: Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> See if we got one in 2020.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, God, we have to keep mentioning that. It's going to be this monkey on our back until we finally get a win <laughs> and then we finally shed it because it's just ridiculous. I uh, was saying, um, oh, fair, we've started this podcast in January, we still haven't celebrated a win yet, it's ridiculous, 43 episodes in, okay, quite a few of them in lockdown, nonetheless, <laughs> it's getting a little annoying, um, but we'll see, I was convinced we were going to beat you guys in the original fixture, due to have been played, and in fact it was uh, Arteta getting the, the virus that um, prompted the cancellations that weekend, wasn't it? But um, I'm not so sure now, I'm, as, as Jason said, it's a free-for-all anything. can be a lottery. Who
4: knows what. Know. If it's a, um, it's anyway, an interesting you, one whether you guys will have an advantage having played yesterday in the sense you've warmed up a bit and you've got a game under your belt, or if it's a disadvantage because your players will be more t- really tired having not played for so long and getting two games in three days. It could go either way, that one.
1: Yeah. Well,
3: We've got yeah. an advantage because we don't have to have Louise.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's been a lot on social media about Brighton appealing <laughs> his red card today.
2: We've got it.
6: All the players we wanted you to play seem to have we gone through injuries. Mustafi, Mustafi Glenn Murray's had Mustafi in his pocket previously. Yeah, that so could work. Yeah, yeah. So
4: Mustafi's arguably worse, actually, if anything. He yeah. is.
6: <laughs> he is
2: worse player, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, all being well, he'll be okay to play. He'll nice. probably have a blinder
4: <laughs> and score now after we said that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's how football works. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, I,
3: think it, I think it'll be a tight game. I think it'll be a tight game.
2: Um, yeah, um, I think so as well. And um, we'll see what happens. But we, we, we've got a tough initial start to our run. We've got you guys, Leicester away and then Mania home. So we'll, we'll see how it pans out. Anyway, going <laughs> Followed on Followed by two... Norwich
4: and then Liverpool at Man City, really. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> I bet Norwich will be informed by then. Just yeah. the floor, isn't
4: it? Three wins out of um, three.
2: Moving on to the week's news. And I'm going to start with another bit of music. Here we go. Um, this seems rather appropriate that... Uh, I'll start with this for reasons I'll explain in a minute. Hopefully you can hear don't this all right.
6: Know where,
2: don't know where, but I know we
6: we'll some sunny day.
2: Of course, you guys will know what this is probably from today's news. Vera um, Lynn, 103 years old, uh, forces his sweetheart, as she was known, um, died sadly. Um, she had a pretty good innings. I think it's safe to say 103 is pretty impressive. Um, yeah. She was a Londoner, albeit from the East End, Um, but she lived in Sussex for decades um, towards the end of her life there. So I don't know, it somehow feels appropriate that uh, it's going to happen this weekend when we're about to play you guys. But um, anyway, sad, sad to see that. A great war hero, legend of sorts, you could say, um, for, um, well, motivation for the forces, I guess. Um, In other news, though, uh, one of the biggest stories really this week has been fantastic. Marcus Rashford, um, been absolutely superb, hasn't it? That He's managed to turn around a ridiculous uh, bit of uh, performance from the government in terms of ignoring what was clearly something that just made sense to do. It was extenuating circumstances, definitely should be giving those vouchers to kids, and he's managed to persuade the government to do so. Um, They congratulated him, and, um, you know, it is fair play to Daniel Rashford. He did really well there, didn't he? Um, (laughs) I'm glad uh, Mark Spatchcock uh, was praising of him so much, you know, but uh, (laughs) horrendous, isn't it? I mean, the government's been a shambles on all all matters, really, recently. But, um, I mean, it's great to see we've been talking about the Black Lives Matter campaign on previous episodes. And if you guys want to touch on that later, you're welcome to. But uh, young footballers making a good impression where there seems to have been so much bad press, some of it unjustified in recent years mm. isn't it great to see so many of the uh particularly young or young youngish players of today even within the three minute of who's playing um doing so well in
6: giving a good impression of football and just doing some great stuff what do you think yeah, absolutely i mean i think the other thing is that this is only just just the most impressive thing he's done in lockdown i mean he's been fo- feeding what four million kids yeah, i think yeah. hasn't he been... mm. so i mean it's not even as a one-off this is like five or six things that he's, he's been doing. I think they were saying that he learned sign language so that he could get involved in some projects yeah, in deaf yeah. school. Yeah. I mean like it's, yeah. there's nothing like, there was a thing on Twitter saying that he had done more, he had been a more effective opposition than Jeremy Corbyn had been in five years. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of actually forcing government policy, you know, like in, within in the space of three days, he'd, he'd changed the conversation. Which is yeah. pretty amazing, really. Yeah. Yeah, really. Off,
2: the back, off the back of what Hancock had said at the beginning of lockdown about footballers should be chipping in, which was an ill advised remark. Um, I think Neville put it pretty succinctly. I can't remember exactly what he said. I think it was an F word involved somewhere. But uh, <laughs> he wasn't impressed, and I don't think anyone else was really. Yeah. Uh, footballers are a
3: and... scapegoat. They are. Sorry, sorry, of,
2: they're, 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 footballers are an easy target, I think.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I agree So, so I was saying yeah. actually in the end the Premier League players are going to play the same number of games in a much more stressful situation than they would have done otherwise probably
3: Yeah.
4: it's like I'm yeah. not saying I'm not I You know, I think they should it's great that like Brighton's players have got something uh, given money to the NHS and that sort of thing but and a lot of them have helped where they're, where they're from and that sort of thing but in, in essence they, they're earning their money they're playing yeah. the same number of games precisely yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
6: and I they're think... not they're putting themselves in theory in the line of danger
1: yeah
6: yeah, yeah. It's, not risk, it's not a risk-free thing they're doing either.
1: Yeah, also, just, yeah. a lot of it is because they're young uh, and they earn a lot of money. It makes them an easy target. Um, why Matt Hancock singled them out um, for vitriol it, um, I'm sure, something he regrets. Uh, and is very ill-advised, if, even if he discussed it beforehand. Um, and lots of footballers do so much stuff almost in stealth mode that you don't know about. Um, and working in as it were enemy territory as an Arsenal supporter, I mean, the school I work at, um, Glaysmore Community School, that's in Tottenham, and I know for a fact, um, even ex players like letting wow. kids loads of stuff, uh, in the community that nobody cares about, um, you know, because it's not about red carpets and fanfares, so um yes what uh um what's been done recently uh by young rashford is really incredible as uh, such a young man at twenty two um and uh, he's he's done it with so so much feeling and uh, empathy really because of how he grew up um and some of the disadvantages he experienced um and uh yeah just to see young people like that Um, doing so much Mm -hmm. in their communities and beyond because this affects the whole country um, is really uh, really fantastic and I think maybe that was kind of partially uh, I can't speak for him obviously but partially between that tweet you know when he was saying this is England Um, so uh, so yeah it's um, yeah very strange times strange days for all of us and uh, this is just a really good news story that um, uh, for, for one I don't tire hearing about
2: yeah. I think okay. the, for me, it's, um, when we had the World Cup and the, um, the way we had those open interview processes, a like big room, all the journalists and the way the players were talking with the journalists and the media and really started to then connect with the fans, which is something that had long been lost, the likes of Rooney shouting at the screen and everything. It's, it's far cry from that, wasn't it? And I think that's what set the ball rolling in terms of this, yeah. this new dialogue that's able to happen between <laughs> players and the, and the media and the fans. And it seems to have gone on from strength to strength since then. Raheem Sterling is the obvious other example, speaking out about racism and um, the various others besides. And I don't know if there's the chicken and egg thing here, whether they were always going to be doing that. And it, that, that World Cup um, seminar stuff sort of just gave them a, a platform to start or whether that's set them on their way, I don't know. But um, either way around, it's been brilliant to see. And um, it's also been great, of course, since the Games have restarted, We've seen people taking the knee uh, in tribute to Game of Thrones, of course. Uh, <laughs> again, not to mention Matt <laughs> Hancock in a bad light yet again. But uh, yeah, it was definitely Game of Thrones. Nothing to do with heraldry going back centuries or anything. To be fair to Matt
4: Hancock, wasn't that Dominic Raab instead? Yeah, I think, it was actually. Not that different. I want to stand up for Matt Hancock, but it was, <laughs> it was, another, it was another incompetent politician, not but him. They,
2: they all blur into one giant shambles shape. I don't know. <laughs> I, I can't tell one for one.
1: Yeah, offers <laughs> uh, blob of incompetence, that's what it is.
2: <laughs> oh, dear. The depressing so that thing would...
4: is it actually is taking footballers to come forward and, or specifically Rashford, to come forward and see, make the government see sense. It's like, that's not really how your country should be run. It should be run on, like, you know, actually the right decisions, not, like, such, yeah, with things being pointed out when they're so stupid by by footballers and them turning it around after, like, 24 hours later or whatever. It's bizarre. Yeah,
5: I mean, fact. I mean, you so, go ahead, Matt. So the fact the fact that the government responded to that just shows how, like, they, they obviously also knew it was wrong, mm-hmm. and and they they felt they needed to kind of uh, come out and demonstrate that. Oh, look, we know it's wrong as well, and we want to um, make it better because a footballer had brought a load of publicity to to the issue. You know, they know about mm-hmm. that. They know about all these things, um, but they've chosen not to do anything about it. Um, and that's that's the most damaged thing about the government.
6: About mm. yeah, yeah, I was just going to say the fact that they can find twenty billion quid to keep the economy going, but they can't find a hundred million to feed poor children mm. is like when you look at it in that you think uh, of twenty billion pounds, a hundred million is like a rounding error, isn't it? Yeah. Like it's yeah. it's not in the context of what you've got to spend. A hundred million is is not a lot to feed however many millions of kids that potentially might not get any other food i mean up here in the northeast yeah. in where i live near middlesbrough there are kids who rely on those vouchers who that is the only food they get in the day
2: yeah, yeah, do. yeah. yes
6: yeah. Indeed. Um, i imagine it's the same in, in you know in, in parts of london i imagine yeah. there's there's kids in exactly the same position in parts of manchester and liverpool and birmingham and probably every every big city every small city so it's and, just... you know it's, it's
5: shocking that that's the case anyway in yeah, absolutely in the united kingdom in 2020 you know um but for the government to just think it's okay over some holidays for that for that not to continue for for children not to be be given that kind of lifeline which it really is a lifeline you know? um uh, yeah.
2: i mean just my... Maybe they thought being the summer, people have got less appetite, so they probably won't eat as much. Or, don't I do not surprised get... if it's not something as stupid as that. They were thinking. We
4: only to get too political as well. There's an awful lot of yeah. people who fund the Tory party don't pay tax over here because they're hmm. somehow of their money in Switzerland or you know somehow in like you know kind of tax havens and that sort of thing, and they don't do anything about that. funnily enough, where hmm. they could make a lot of money out of actually taxing people properly, and you know corporations like Starbucks who somehow managed to con the government into paying one p of tax. Does that no, that actually could change the world. you know. change quite a lot if they could do that. They could feed most of the country on that sort of money.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think Honestly, on
4: the
6: boy, though, it's uh... not the actual... There you
3: go. You go, clear. Okay. I'm going to say, it's not the actual... I don't think it's the actual like, government actually... I think they're reluctant to actually do it. It's just the fact that somebody of his figure and the amount of followers that he has on Twitter has probably pressurised them to do it
2: mm. rather than go out and do it themselves.
6: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. He's got like three and a half million followers or something like yeah. that. Yeah,
2: and that's where the true power is with that's those, those sort from, of yeah. moments. That's genuine power of persuasion of thought and opinion. So, yeah, yeah. and fair play to them, thumbs up to them. And also, get on to last night's matches, we're recording this on Thursday, out of the weekend games, but the football is already underway. We had a couple of games in hand that we've gotten out of the way before the, uh, the weekend action takes place. We'll get on to the action on pitch in a minute. Um, a couple of interesting incidents occurred but first of all just keeping with the, with the uh, more politicalised themes um, the, um, we had the players taking to their knee as we mentioned we also had Black Lives Matter written on the back of the shirts which is apparently going to be a feature for the rest of this run. running um, great move I think, it's great to see that the ante has been upped and that we're really now pushing this message what's your take guys I mean two of two the three of you Uh, Arsenal fans with us are um, black guys. So, um, What's your take, first of all, on it in terms of looking at the broader picture, looking at the history, your own experiences, how things may or may not have changed through the years? Um, How do you think things have been changing recently? What things have you been worried about and how good is this movement? Uh, Albeit from obviously a very bad uh, trigger point, obviously.
1: Yeah, well, I think um, for me, probably... One of the biggest things uh, was to see a very, very visible and very vocal um, representation of white people on the marches um, Mm. around the world. So uh, all in Australia, it's kicked off and it's more about uh, Aboriginal Australian rights. Mm. A lot of them, uh, disproportionate numbers of Aboriginal Australians die in police custody um so it's great to see on the streets of melbourne and all the rest of it uh lots of um white australians over here in london in manchester birmingham um lots of white brits um and people of different ethnicities as well uh so for me that's probably one of the biggest things and um and and for for people to be actively um out there and campaigning right in the middle of um Uh, of a lockdown, okay, we're sort of easing off and everything. Um, That really speaks to uh, how seriously people are taking it. Um, Given that it's affecting more black and minority ethnic people as well, and they're still going out and obviously there's no chance really to social distance, let's face it. So that shows you how important it is for the black communities. Um, But the fact that there were so many other different ethnicities out there, um that was really visible uh and that was a huge um that, that was just really encouraging to see um you know for me uh and uh i suppose you know obviously um it's taken on a life of its own uh you know the george floyd murder um you know we've got cameras these things are recorded um You know, uh, there was the the Ghana murder before, which uh, again was uh, a chokehold, not by a knee, but by someone's someone's hands. Uh, And again, the guy was screaming, I can't breathe. So these things are being recorded and people are beginning to understand, um, if you like, the attrition that uh, certainly the black community in America have been under for for centuries, really. Um, And it's, uh, you know, if you think the Civil Rights Act was in 1965, um and the black and white people are campaigning um for structural changes because it has to be structural and it can't be just laws um you know uh and acts you know people have to change themselves um you know the fact that it's been so long since the the civil rights act in 65 in america um and uh anti-discrimination law here and things like this are still happening is is a real shocker so uh so yeah, it's just good to see people coming together, um, and uh, you know, and um, yeah, okay. The statues might be a bit of a focal point, but it's um, it's really the structure and people that have to change uh, for there to be lasting change. Um, so uh, yeah, it's uh, strange days, isn't it? Very much.
6: Yeah, I think and, my um, my take on it, obviously a, as obviously as as a white person, is that. It's a massively supportive of the cause and the attention that it's getting to the matches. My hope is that it translates into consistent action over mm. the next few months, which is obviously we've seen when there've been racist incidents, at uh, football games, particularly one focusing on, you've seen an initial kind of outcry amongst everyone, you know, calls for change. And it's kind of petered out. Obviously this current movement is on a scale that, you know, I've not seen in my lifetime before. So my hope is that it it kind of translates into action and I think everyone in football has got a, a role to play in it so I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago on the podcast which is I'm hoping that it will encourage fans to call it out more if they see an incident at a game I'm not saying they don't now but I think there may have been a reluctance before I mean I'm lucky in the sense that I I've grown up in an age where I wasn't going to football at the time when you know racism was really kind of rearing its ugly head, and actually I've only I've witnessed racism twice at football. Once is with Russ, which I'll come on to in a second. The first time I was about fifteen or sixteen, and it was Ipswich away, and we had a, a guy on loan from us called Tony Ruggier, who was from the Caribbean. Pete and Russ will, will know. What I mean. And um, yeah, we were, we were away at Ipswich and there was a guy in the row behind me that shouted, I'm not obviously going to say what he shouted, but I was at an age there where I felt that I couldn't challenge him because he was a you know, fully grown adult and I was a 15-year-old kid. So, and the second time was actually with Russ, we were at Sellers Park um, watching, watching a Palace game, Brighton Palace. And um, it's all this bizarre scenario where both teams actually had two or three black players on either side. We had Kazenga, Luala, Russ, and I think someone else, another blunt, yeah, was our lineup.
2: Uh, Bridcut playing them? Yeah, up probably.
6: Yeah, and there was I a guy so. who was literally standing in the row behind Russ and I, um, and he was shouting not particularly nice things at Wilfred Zahar. Mm-hmm. And that was everyone in our row actually turned round and challenged him. Um, so that was what, five, seven, seven, eight years ago, something like that? Uh, I think it was the league game in that playoff it was season. season. So so like seven years. I mean, but, I mean, we were the only people that challenged him. I mean, other people would have heard it, but obviously we were directly behind it. But we were the only people that seemed to challenge it. So I'm hoping now, because if you're, there's been such an outpouring of people supporting the movement that you then can't not call it out when you see it, right? That's kind of them backing out to me. Um, so that's what I hope fans will change from it. Clubs, I mean, there was the Spurs incident, wasn't there? Was it this season?
0: Spurs. Arsenal. Yeah.
6: Yeah, where they couldn't, oh, yeah. where, they were, where in the end the investigation was that they couldn't actually work out whether anything had been said. The oh, yeah, the
3: Chelsea one. Yeah, the, the Chelsea
6: one, I think yeah. the investigation didn't seem particularly thorough given that fact in stadiums these days you've got CCTV where you can zoom in and read the serial number on a £5 note. Mm. Um, it didn't really seem that much. So I'm hoping that clubs will properly investigate it and ba- literally just ban anyone for life without any questions.
4: Yeah. And that's, I agree be, with that because I think there's, sometimes they got to give two or three year bans out of yeah, this it's stuff just, it stuff, it should just be life. Just that, for life, yeah,
6: absolutely. I'm really thinking about it. Mm. Obviously, we've we've had Chris Hughton as a you know as a manager fairly recently, and he was obviously only one of. I think Chris Powell was a manager around in the scene. Yeah. There was only two or three, you know, um BAME candidates in in the whole of the football league. The media, I hope we've touched on Rashford. We've touched on Sterling. I hope this is going to be a bit of a watershed moment. They're not going to go after footballers, particularly young black footballers in the same way. I mean, even with Rashford, I've, we've seen the other side of it. There was an article in one of the papers a couple of days ago um, having a go at him for his car collection still. You know, yeah, and the view Sterling's
4: got over the years has been disgraceful from the media. Yeah, I mean,
6: the fact is that mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're earning that level of money and you've got that level of profile and you've done all the things that he has done in the last few weeks, I don't begrudge you if you've got a £100,000 car, mm. to me. It doesn't make any difference. The fact well, that you... Yeah.
3: Yeah, sure. At the same time, it's the clubs giving these players the money. So it's up to... The players can obviously do what they want with their wages.
6: Yeah.
2: You know
3: yeah. I mean? It's not, it doesn't have to, it's not because, obviously, they their colour or being singled out because they're getting this, that and the other. You know? It's, yeah, I
6: think you're right. And I think that the final point I was going to say is, actually, I think the last thing is the authorities particularly the FA and the Premier League, have got, to, have got to properly step up. And actually, you know, we see pitiful fines given out, really, when clubs' fans are guilty of an incident. And actually, to me, I might be alone in this, but to me, I think we've actually got to start seeing points deductions. Mm, yeah. And it's me, not just the only... FA
4: as well, like UEFA as well. I mean, there's yeah, the... all UEFA, terrible, you know, it's like
6: the punishments they, they
4: get, it. yeah. Because actually, UEFA
2: is a joke.
6: If you're finding, yeah, even even if you up the fine, if you're finding a Premier League club I mean, at the moment, it's a five-figure fine that tends to get given out. Even if you were to fine a Premier League club a million pounds, two million pounds, that's making no difference to them. Whereas if you're saying, fine, every time there's an incident, it's going to be three points or five points or whatever it is. That would force them to, A, police it themselves a lot better and to, B, I think the fans would self-police it more because if you know that, in theory, you're going to lose three, five, six, seven points, whatever it's going to be,
4: you're not yeah, going to let it happen,
6: are you? Yeah, if you got banned for life
4: and also cost your team the three points that relegated them, that yeah. would be a, quite a... Anyway,
6: that's hopefully, me. I'm going um, to box after that.
2: But... I, no, I, I completely agree with you, Robin. And hopefully the fans themselves who are racist um, will be
6: disinclined to try and
2: do anything but themselves.
6: I mean, the final point that's is that thing. guy that we referenced, that I will say this to you, Ross, the guy that we saw yeah. at Palace who was right behind us, Hmm. The thing that irks me now is that when I, I've still got a season ticket for Brighton despite living 400 miles away, which is another Come conversation. <laughs> but um, when I, I go down there, I see that guy at every home game. He's got a season ticket about seven or eight rows in front of me, but the same seat. So he's directly in my eye line. So he's clearly not had – there's been no repercussions from what he hmm. did. And I doubt it was a one-off incident because oh, I, yeah. that's your – if that's your inclination and that's the way you behave, I doubt that's going to be the only time that you've said anything. So. I
4: bet you get away with it as well.
6: Just yeah, I mean, we, did, we, we reported it to the steward and I think it was a, it was random. It was a British transport policeman who was actually in the ground. But um, oh, anyway, right. obviously there was nothing that came of it, but yeah, that's my, that's my sermon for the day. There you go.
2: Yeah. Well, it, it does feel to me like this is an unprecedented wave of feeling that's come from this particular, ever since the George Floyd incident, it seems that there's, there's something I haven't really seen before. I've always been aware of um, the situation in the States to a certain degree and by extension, the situation here as well. But possibly I think that what's happened is it's, it's crystallized in a lot more detail exactly how bad it is. I don't think I realized quite how bad it was, even though I knew it was really bad in the States it's even worse than I thought it was and that's come to light. I think there's a load of other people that would have been less well informed than I was and they would maybe didn't know anything or very little and they certainly would have learned a lot more. Social media moves things around a lot quicker so I'm, I'm hoping that this is the greatest amount of attention it's got and will therefore be the greatest amount of movement for good um, going forward. If we're not going to do it now, we're not going to do it ever. Although you'd
4: it's, be surprised. To I, to I, it. I, to, I was looking online yesterday and people on Twitter were genuinely saying they won't watch football again while Black Lives Matters is on the back of players' shirts and really? players are taking oh, it. Yeah, I, saw
3: some, I saw some yeah, of that yeah, as
1: well. Yeah. <laughs> me. That does surprise me. I mean, because really what has to happen is uh, people have to change themselves because you, you can have a load of laws, you can even have inquiries. I mean, having... Hmm they've had a Stephen Lawrence inquiry, um, they've had a inquiry into COVID, the higher uh, proportions of black and minority ethnic people are dying and all the rest of it. They didn't even want to publish the results of that. Um, so so uh, ultimately, um, yeah, you can have a law to say, right, we've got to have some kind of an inquiry and learn some lessons, but at the end of the day, if the people who've commissioned the inquiry and the people who are on it don't actually want to um, adopt the recommendations, um, or make any changes, the changes won't happen. So that's why I'm so encouraged to see so many young people of completely different ethnicities um, all out on the streets, um, all campaigning for the same thing, because I think this, there's just going to be a seismic generational shift over loads of things, um, not just this, but climate change on how we're running our economy, um, on education, etc. So, um, It's uh, I mean, if you just look at what we were talking about before, it takes Marcus Rashford to um, change a government policy over school meals. I mean, if feeding um, all children of whatever background in this country isn't important enough for someone to wake up in the morning and think, oh, do you know what? We've actually dropped a plate here. Let's change it. Um, If you've got that mindset running the country. Um, regardless of what your political affiliations are, if you've got that mindset running in the country, I mean, you know what what is you know of course um, what is an inquiry? Great, we've got an inquiry. Let's publish it in a lovely, fancy, glossy, um, laminated brochure. Let's just do nothing about it. Um, and and of course, you're going to get people also similarly saying what Black Lives Matters is on uh, on the backs of the shirts that I I you know. Um, of the team that I support, you know, I, I'm, I'm not tuning in. So... Um, it, to uh, me, it's, just,
6: it, it's mad to me because it's exactly the same logic i always thought is you watch someone and I think there was the incident obviously where Sterling was a, had the racist abuse. Was that this year? Last year at Chelsea, wasn't it? Yeah. It was a, yeah. That
1: that it? yeah. Um,
6: and you think I never, obviously I can't get into the mindset of someone who's got views like that anyway. But if I'm trying to get into the mindset of them, I don't understand how you can support a team like you're a Chelsea fan, right? So you've got four, five, six, seven black players in your squad,
1: something mm. like that. Well, you know, uh, I remember. Th- Do you see I'm going with it? It's like you've your your. I remember the days when there was a, there were chants. Our N word is better than your N word. Uh, so, <laughs> so I mean, that's that's a kind of yeah. And
6: I say that's why I'm 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 trying to put myself in that in that mindset, and I. Obviously, I, I can't do it, but it, it, I've always found that was the same with that instant I referred to. Obviously, we we had a guy who's, who's abusing Wilfred Zahar. We've got Kazangalualuar and Liam Brickett on the pitch, you know. So, if Kazangalualuar puts the ball in the top corner, that guy's going nuts for the goal.
1: Mm, you
6: know? Yeah. I've, I've never been able to get my head around that
1: kind of... Uh, yeah, that's because he's thinking our N-word is better than your N-word. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's just... you know... Um... You know, there is is
4: completely nonsensical nonsense. it's ridiculous yeah so. it yeah, Absolutely. Is, yeah.
6: Right. and i, but I well, guess we're of the generation or I'm, I'm of the generation where i've just said I've, I've grown up where it's it's never even really been a you know it's never been something in the back of my mind that i've even really thought about you no know, you know i've never even say i've never been in that situation where you just it's it's even been sort of something that's in my context it's just obvious to me you go obviously it's not an issue obviously everyone is equal like it's that's you know what i mean it's just to me it's not, i've been that generation where it's just not even been up for debate yeah. that's why i struggle to slightly kind of
1: um yeah but you know, you've got to remember football is a microcosm of society. So, you know, when when society changes as a whole and it does seem that it is beginning to shift on its axis, that's when um football and every other great profession and institution that, that they will all sort of follow on in that slipstream. Um, you know, but the so, sad
4: thing is I thought football had changed. I mean, until like four or five years ago, you very rarely in England saw examples of racism at football,
1: but it yeah, seems to have
4: increased yeah. a lot over the last four or five years.
1: That's really sad
4: because it's, yeah, it had pretty much been stamped out, I would say.
2: Yeah,
6: yeah. I agree, pretty much.
2: And we've, we've mentioned it before, but obviously um, that Brexit has initiated in some people um, an empowerment to feel that they can start to express their, what for the rest of us, unwanted views um, a lot more confidence um, than they should ever have been allowed to. And, and that certainly, it seems to be part of it. The other thing I was going to say is systemic racism in terms of the way the system is built, you know, going back historically, um, that's still in place, traditionally speaking, it's the old Etonians running the country and all the other stuff, but things are designed to keep people down. And that, by extension, interestingly goes into the Rashford issue of um, class rather than just race. Um, It's the same issue, it's the the same sinister um, background, subliminal factor that's always lurking around and has always been in place.
6: and um, anyway. Was, I was gonna say did you see the interview that Troy Deaney gave recently about his time no. in
1: prison. I have heard about oh, it, but I haven't seen it. No.
6: I forget who he was being interviewed by. Um but he was saying that when he and obviously he was at Watford when he got his prison sentence. So it was not well, it was about eight or nine years ago, I think he went to prison, something like that.
5: Mm. And
6: he was sentenced he was in prison for a few months basically and he was um when he got to prison, there was quite a lot of people in there that he knew from his, from his upbringing, from, who knew his dad and knew his brother and that kind of thing. So when he went in there, he was kind of thinking that he'd be all right, because in a sense, he kind of, he knew a lot of the people that were in there. He knew what life would be like. And he said the thing that struck him was that he actually had people from his background coming up to him and basically saying, if we didn't have so much respect for your dad, we'd give you... A lot of abuse basically and they said the reason we would is because you are in a very lucky position in that you can be an example to other people from our community from our background to show them that life doesn't have to be like this and you've taken that opportunity and Mm. done your best to throw it away Mm. he and he said he'd never thought of it like that before that actually you know what i mean he was kind of almost by he was almost in a very, not just a privileged position as a footballer and the money that comes with it, but in a privileged position as someone from his background who had the chance to actually show other people, young kids in that background, that actually life doesn't have to end up in a gang, doesn't have to end up in trouble with the police, it doesn't have to end up in jail. So it was quite. I found it really interesting that actually he hadn't thought about it from that point of view until people in his own community who were in jail with him actually you know, made that point to him. Yeah. So it follows on what R- R- Russell saying, which is obviously there's a system in place which is having that effect. And actually, if you can get someone who can break through, to use a Gus Poyet metaphor, break through the glass ceiling, um, you can actually change it. But you've got to have someone to take the opportunity. And I think mm. Rashford's the same. He's You can mm. have a lot of kids growing up who are looking at Marcus Rashford and thinking, there's a guy who's from my area who's got my background, who has actually made the government do something.
4: And a lot of footballers in that situation will probably actually forget their upbringing as well and just, oh, I'm past it. now. it's not a problem anymore. I've got all this money.
6: Yeah.
4: And he's clearly not. It's a... yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, on that, on that note, we're going to take a, a short break before we get our epilogue stage where we'll talk about the, um, the match or the matches last night and also about, um, well, another bit of news um, namely, Robin has made the news <laughs> in in a certain way um, with a little bit of a coup. We'll be talking about that in part two coming up shortly. Stay tuned.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
2: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo
0: and we lost track of time. <gasps>